And hello, everyone. Welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is NEC Football on the Run. It's championship season here in the NEC in fall 2022. We had men's and women's cross country, field hockey, women's soccer already in the books, men's soccer coming up this weekend, volleyball down the road. But of course, here in football, our big championship game is just about one week away. But before we get there, there's plenty to sort out from this past weekend. So let's get right into it. It's time for our top headlines. We start with the pick six. We start with our NEC football ESPN3 game of the week, the penultimate game of the week. Two teams, both coming off their first wins of the season, the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils in Brookville, New York, to take on the LIU Sharks. First quarter, first drive for Central Connecticut. They marched down the field 10 plays, 75 yards, 4 minutes, 23 seconds. Running back Nazir Smith, responsible for 43 of the 75 yards on this initial possession, including the final six. He runs it in from the left, gets past the goal line into the end zone to give Central the early seven-zip lead. Now, LIU, they answered on their first drive, and they elect to go for it on fourth and two. Big decision from the Central 11. They give it to Pat Bowen, and he just bypasses everybody. Straight on in, 11-yard touchdown run to knock the game up at seven. Now, here comes Another Sharknado, just like we talked about last week. A storm of points and big plays for the LIU Sharks. Right before the end of the first quarter, Lucas Stanzani with the play action. He has time in the pocket. He lets it rip deep downfield and connects with Tosin Oyakami, who outruns two defenders for a 59-yard touchdown pass to give the Sharks a 13-7 lead. They would go on to lead 16-7 at the break. Michael Coney would connect on two field goals in the third quarter to up the Sharks' advantage to 22-7. to 22 unanswered points for LIU overall. But here come the Blue Devils. Fourth and three at the LIU 16. Down 15, they have to go for it. Mitchell finds Kyron Petaway over the middle for 11 yards to move the sticks, keeps the drive going. Then after a central timeout, Trey Gray runs it in from the five to make it a one-score game, 22-14. After the LIU drive comes up empty, the Blue Devils then march 16 plays, 81 yards in just under seven minutes. They converted three big third downs along the way, and about a minute to go, second and goal from the one. Mitchell holds on to it and takes it in himself to pull Central within two. So they go for two. Two-point conversion, a chance to tie. Mitchell with the play action goes to the back of the end zone, but it's broken up and LIU holds on to the lead. Only one timeout left and one minute to go. Central Connecticut has to go for the onside kick. Kicker Aiden Clark recovers his own onside kick and Central has life and the football at their own 46-yard line. On first down, Mitchell goes back to pass and redshirt freshman, Ayeen Johnson reads this one like a New York Times bestseller, a 40-yard pick six for the dagger. Johnson coming back from an ACL tear last year, started the week celebrating his 21st birthday on Halloween and ends the week celebrating his first career interception and score. The LIU Sharks, they win it 29-20. to Stanzani now 2-0 as the LIU QB1. He went 19 for 32, 234 yards with a touchdown. Mike Love had some good vibrations with 102 all-purpose yards for the Sharks. Well, on the other side, Petaway caught 10 passes, 
for 102 yards for Central, and Nas Smith produced his fourth 100-yard rushing game of the season with 27 carries for 127 yards and a touchdown. With two weeks to go, Smith has overtaken Sacred Heart's Malik Grant and Stonehill's Jermaine Corbett for the NEC's rushing title lead. Now, last week, the St. Francis University Red Flash officially punched their ticket into the FCS playoffs as the NEC's AQ rep with a 44-14 win over Sacred Heart. Still two conference games remaining in the Flash's quest for their first conference title since 2016. But before they get to that, they stopped in our nation's capital this week for a non-conference tune-up against the Georgetown Hoyas. Trailing 14-0 right out of the chute after the first quarter due to a 50-yard touchdown pass and a 31-yard pick six, the red flash got onto the board about 4.30 into the second quarter. Justin Slowoski, who earned the starting nod for the flash for the first time since October the 1st against Central, completed a 40-yard touchdown to Hunter Brown to get St. Francis on the board. Then they tied it with just over a minute to go until the half with a 12-yard touchdown pass to Elijah Surratt. After the ensuing kickoff, the Hoyas quarterback found Joshua Tomas for a 75-yard strike, and the Hoyas, just like that, were back in front. They take a seven-point lead into intermission. Now, whatever halftime adjustments Coach Valerio made in the locker room, they worked. St. Francis came out and rolled off 24 unanswered points in the third quarter. First, a Jordan Jackson one-yard touchdown run to cap off a nine-play 81-yard drive to tie the game. Then Koshan Holmes with a five-yard touchdown run to give SFU the lead for the first time all afternoon. Then after forcing a turnover, Alex Schmoke connected on a 47-yard field goal, his second longest of the season. And then Surratt scored his second touchdown of the day on a 15-yard pass from Slowoski. The Red Flash continue this incredible run, defeating Georgetown 38-24 in their final non-conference game of the season. They set a new Division I program record with their seventh straight win, and they will play their regular season home finale against Duquesne coming up this weekend. The team put up 452 yards of offense. Slowoski threw for 257 yards and three touchdowns. Holmes led the ground game with 87 yards and a score, and Makai Jackson caught nine passes for 116 yards, his fourth 100-yard receiving game of the year. On defense, redshirt junior Travell Cook recorded an interception, his fifth turnover forced on the year, and he was the NEC's defensive player of the week. So St. Francis keeps their win streak going and tunes up for their stretch run in the process with a November non-conference matchup victory, while the Merrimack Warriors, who are also at the top of the NEC standings with a 5-0 record in league play, they enjoyed a well-deserved by week, their first week off since the season started back in September. Next week, St. Francis will host Duquesne, while Merrimack will visit Central Connecticut State. But no matter what happens in those games, the league title will be decided the following week, November 19th, in North Andover, when St. Francis meets Merrimack head-to-head. Now, because if one team wins this week and the other loses, the losing team can then come back and win the head-to-head matchup on the 19th, to earn a share of the title. So no matter what happens this weekend, it'll all be decided on the 19th. It's a huge game. And because of that, we're flexing it in. St. Francis at Merrimack, November 19th, noon Eastern kick for the NEC title will be our wild card season finale of the NEC ESPN3 Game of the Week.
Two teams both coming off disappointing outings from last week. We're out to try and bounce back this week as the Sacred Heart Pioneers travel to Rooney Field in Pittsburgh to take on the Duquesne Dukes in a matchup between the two preseason favorites. And this game was punch, counterpunch the entire way through. First quarter, Sacred Heart running back Malik Grant runs it in for a three-yard touchdown. Then Duquesne running back Billy Lucas, he runs it in, a one-yard touchdown run. We're tied after one. Second quarter, Joe Mishler, 20-yard touchdown pass to Nick Leopold. That was followed by Sacred Heart quarterback Marquez McCray completing a 93-yard drive with a 15-yard touchdown pass to Rob Denota. Game tied at 14 after two quarters. Third quarter, Mishler, one-yard touchdown pass to Logan Lutz. Sacred Heart counters with Rob McCoy, a 46-yard touchdown run, and the game is tied at 21 after three. We go to the fourth quarter. Joe Mishler, he's going to take it in himself, a three-yard touchdown run, and that was answered with McCray, a 14-yard touchdown pass to Kenneth Womack to tie the game at 28 with under two minutes to go. Now, both teams, no strangers to this, by the way. Sacred Heart, five games this year decided by a single possession. Duquesne, four games this year decided by one possession. And for the second time this year for the Pioneers and for the second straight week for Duquesne, guess what? We go to overtime. Duquesne had the ball first. And on their fifth play, Billy Lucas runs it in from eight yards out. Duquesne in front, 35-28. Sacred Heart possession. After back-to-back -back runs by Rob McCoy netted them nine yards, it's third and just one at the Duquesne 16. Malik Grant gets the handle, stopped on third down, no gain. So Sacred Art, fourth and one, they need to convert it to extend the game out of the shotgun. They give it to McCoy, and he is stopped behind the line of scrimmage. You can see his frustration as he was pounding on the turf after getting denied ball game. The Dukes survive and win it in overtime, 35-28. to 28. Billy Lucas posted a career-high 170 yards rushing on 30 carries with two touchdowns. Lucas is Duquesne's first running back since A.J. Hines in 2018 to rush for over 150 yards in a game. For Duquesne, it was their first overtime victory since they beat Sacred Heart back in September of 2007. On the Sacred Heart defensive side, junior Carson Primos had a monster three-sack game. Both teams now two and three in league play. For headline number five, we peek in on the Battle of the Hawks, the C version from Wagner and the Sky version from Stonehill. Stonehill had won their first three games to start the season, remember, but they come in having dropped their last three. They're trying to avoid dropping under 500 for the very first time, and they were carried literally by Jermaine Corbett, who maybe had a little something extra to prove after a crucial turnover late in the game last week against Merrimack. First and 10 Stonehill at the Wagner 32. Corbett takes the handoff, shoves a dude to the ground, and continues down the near sideline, shaking off another tackle attempt and getting into the end zone. Next Stonehill drive, fourth and one at their own 41. They go for it. They only need one yard, right? Just one yard. How about 59 yards? Bursting right through for his second touchdown. Corbett makes it 14-3 to Skyhawks. Now, we'll get back to Corbett in a second. But first, let's marvel at this Asher Karaha pass. Down the far sideline to Will Diamantes, a 69-yard touchdown strike to make it 28-10. to Now, back to Corbett. Second and four at their own 26. How about 74 yards and a 
third touchdown. Stonehill with 399 yards of rushing offense as a team. Corbett, a season-high 227 on 16 carries with three scores. He averaged over 14 yards per carry on the day. It was his second career 200-yard game and third time this year over the century mark. By the way, the Skyhawks set a WB Mason stadium record with 617 total yards of offense in their victory over Wagner. So after week 10, the NEC standings remain with Merrimack and St. Francis still tied 5-0 in league play. St. Francis has clinched the NEC's automatic bid to the FCS playoffs. They can clinch at least a share of the title this weekend with a win and a Merrimack loss. On the flip side, Merrimack can clinch at least a share of the title with a win and a St. Francis loss. But again, the losing team in either of those scenarios would still have a chance to claim a share of the title by bouncing back and winning the head-to-head -head matchup the following week. As well, if both teams win or if both teams lose, the game on November 19th would then be winner take all for all the marbles. So after the top two, we now have a four-way tie at third with Stonehill, Sacred Art, Duquesne, and LIU all at two and three, while Central and Wagner are both one and four. Time now for our top three stars of the week. At number three, it's LIU quarterback Lucas Stanzani. We have a shark in the three spot for a second straight week. This time, it's the freshman quarterback from Clearwater, Florida. Last week at his first career start against Duquesne, Stanzani was named the FCS National Freshman of the Week and the Rookie of the Week in the Northeast Conference after a 346-yard, four-touchdown performance and a double overtime win over Duquesne. Now, our top three was so stacked last week, Stanzani didn't even make the list, but he's on it this week after improving to 2-0 as a starter with a 234-yard, one-touchdown passing performance against Central. He also ran for 50 yards, which included an impressive 31-yard scamper in the middle of the game. Maybe it's the power of the stash. Who knows? But Stanzani had a pretty good last two weeks, and he lands as this week's number three star. At number two, it's St. Francis quarterback Justin Slowoski. The Red Flash opening day quarterback had been out since October the 1st against Central Connecticut State. He finally got back in, earning the starting nod for the Flash's non-conference test against the Georgetown Hoyas, and Slowoski didn't miss a beat. 19 for 27, 70% completion, 257 yards, and three touchdowns, leading St. Francis to a comeback win, their seventh straight victory. Slowoski and his tag team partner at quarterback Cole Doyle are the two most efficient quarterbacks in the NEC right now, landing one-two in the league in quarterback pass efficiency. And our top star is Stonehill running back Jermaine Corbett. The Stonehill junior running back picked up his second three-touchdown game of the season, his third 100-yard rushing game of the season, and the second 200-yard game of his career racking up 227 yards on 16 carries with three touchdowns. The 21st time a Stonehill player has rushed for three scores in a game. He averaged over 14 yards per carry, and his touchdown runs were from 32, 59, and 74 yards. The outing helped Corbett move into third in the rushing title race in the NEC, and he's tied for second in the league with eight rushing touchdowns. Corbett was also named the NEC Offensive Player of the Week for the second time this year, Jermaine Corbett, our top star in the Northeast Conference from week 10. 
And up next here on NEC Football on the Run, we are joined by LIU Sharks quarterback Lucas Danzani, who this past weekend helped lead the Sharks to their second straight win, 29-20 to over Central Connecticut State. Luca, thanks so much for stopping by and joining us this week on the show. Thank you for having me. Now, we're, we're known for asking solely the hard-hitting questions here on the show, so we're going to start you off with this. The world wants to know, what's the story of the stash? Where are the origins of it? How did it come about to be your signature look? Uh, I mean, uh, that's a good question. It just sort of, it sort of became a part of me. Um, I always had it, um, early teens. I shaved it maybe a few times. Uh, it just sort of became part of my look. When you shaved uh, it, did you feel a little bit off when you shaved it? Oh, totally. It didn't feel <laughs> right. It didn't feel right. People ask for pictures, um, when I didn't have it and I refused to show them because <laughs> it's just not who I am. It's a part of me now. Now, let's talk about your football journey. You're from Clearwater, Florida. So how did it come about that your football journey led you to New York and to LIU? Yeah, I was getting a few looks from a few different schools going into my senior year. Um, LIU came in late. They offered me a scholarship uh, and instantly started recruiting me pretty heavily. They made it a big point to get me up as soon as, as, soon as I could. Uh, came up on my official visit. Uh, loved it. That was a great situation, a, a chance to play early. Um, which has proven so, uh, and I knew it'd be a great fit. It, it seems that way. And, and, and prior to these last two weeks, you know, you, you've had a chance to kind of observe everything, take it all in a little bit from the sidelines. So, you know, what have you learned during that, that first part of the season where you were kind of, you know, watching and, and, and learning from the side? Yeah, I just had to get used to the pace. Um, I got a few drives uh, near the end of the game with some FBS teams, a few in-conference teams. Um, and it's, it's really just the, the physicality difference from high school and the speed of the game. Um, and I'd say I, I got a good understanding in those first few games of what it was like. Now, you know, LIU, you guys have been in games all year long, you know, Bryant, Merrimack, Wagner, you know, where one or two plays, it makes all the difference. So what is it about just these last two weeks, you know, besides you being in there, what, what is it about it that everything's kind of come together for, for the team? Uh, defense has really stepped up the last two games, especially this past game. Um, they really held on and, and, and kept us in their offense. Didn't do as good of a job as we'd like uh, to sort of run away with the win. But as, as a whole, the team has just been playing really well. Um, I think one of the biggest things is turnovers. Um, we've, we haven't had as many turnovers, which, is, which will win and lose you some games. So that, that's a big point. Now, these last two weeks, there have been parts of the games where we, we call them Sharknados. You know, they're like LIU barrages, 28 points in the third quarter against Duquesne. Last week, 22 unanswered. There were, you know, 50, 60-yard plays. You know, is that something where, like, when you're in those moments, can you feel the momentum swinging to your side on the sidelines where it feels like you can't miss? Absolutely. Those are, those are explosive plays, and that's what we practice for. That's what we try to get because when we're a good team, we're a really good team. Our defense can can shut down some really good offenses, and uh, our offense can score a lot of points when we when we uh, get the chance. Definitely proven that. And and there's two games left in the season: Stonehill, Sacred Heart. So you know, looking ahead to this weekend, what are what are some of the keys to to coming away with a third straight victory this weekend? Always got to protect the ball. Uh, got to take what they give us, and hopefully just put up some points because they're a good defense. And no doubt, I'm sure you guys would love to take the momentum these last two weeks, 
ride a four game win streak into 2023. I'm sure that would sound pretty good. And, and to wrap it up here, Luca, we always like to end with the final five questions, just rapid fire. So give us the first thing that comes to mind. All right. All right. All right. So uh, we got Raleigh fingers, Keith Hernandez, Mike Ditka, Dennis Eckersley, Andy Reed, who in your opinion, or you could go off the board, who has the best sports mustache of all time. Uh, Mike Dick is the one that comes, comes to mind. Yep. It's totally iconic. Love it. Yeah. What, what, what's your pregame, your go-to pregame meal, either the night before or the morning of a game? Um, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> uh, just whatever, whatever breakfast food they're having, they usually have uh, some chicken or pasta at breakfast. I'll have some of that, um, or bacon. I, I like the bacon a lot. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. What's 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 your favorite song on your warm up playlist? Oh wow, really putting me on the spot. <laughs> um, I'm I'm sort of all over the place. It's sort of a game day game day feel. I'll I'll listen wow, okay. from uh, EDM music to uh, sort of calm music to rap like Drake or Rod Wave. Um, yeah, I, I have to say Rod Wave recently. Very eclectic, a wide, wide range of, of tastes over Absolutely. there. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, it, it ha had you won the big Powerball that was going on across the country over the last couple of weeks, what would have been the first thing that you would have splurged on? Uh, well, I really was. I really miss my motorcycle, so I'd probably get one up here. All uh, right. Yeah, probably get a motorcycle up here. That might make Coach a little nervous, though, if you're going around on the motorcycle. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, it is November. It's the season for thanks. So what are you most thankful for? Uh, I'm thankful for my family and uh, really supporting me and giving me the opportunity to follow my dreams and, and uh, help me get where I'm at. Well, that, that is awesome. And I'm sure LIU fans are thankful for you stepping in there the last couple of weeks, leading to some big wins. And uh, we look forward to some more great things in the future. Thanks so much for stopping by and joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, Luca and the Sharks will look for three in a row and they take on Stonehill for Senior Day, 1 p.m. on Saturday. Luca Stanzani, our guest this week here on NEC Football on the Run. A lot of great plays from this past week. Time to recap them all. Here's our own Kyle Turner for this week's NEC Super 7. Kyle Turner for NECfrontrow.com here to bring you the NEC Football Super 7 countdown presented by Geico. Time to take a look at the top seven plays from week 10 in NECFB. We kick things off at number seven. St. Francis U quarterback Justin Sawalski freezes the Georgetown defense and finds Hunter Brown for the 40-yard catch and run for the touchdown. And the Hoyas caught sleeping and all the way in is Brown for the touchdown. Number six, Duquesne's Jaden Johnson and John Muehlbauer Combined to stop Sacred Heart on fourth and one in overtime for the walk-off tackle in the Duke's win over the Pioneers. Duquesne defense. Partial motion for the tight end. McCoy, the handoff to Grant. And it's McCoy who keeps it, and he's tackled short of the line of scrimmage. Duquesne wins it in overtime. McCoy couldn't get back to the line, couldn't get the first down, and the Dukes win it on defense. Number five. Sacred Hearts' Marquez McCray drops this picture-perfect pass to Rob Denota in the corner of the end zone for six against Duquesne. It's Denota from McCray, and this game is tied. Well, there's your 95-yard drive, Ellis. Within three minutes, once again, the streak continues, and 
I'm just going to assume every ball thrown by every team, including Duquesne, Sacred Heart, and every other, into that part of the end zone is going to be caught for a touchdown. We have seen that how many times over the year? Coming in at number four, LIU's Lucas Stanzani unloads and hits Tosin Oyekanmi on the deep post pattern for a 59-yard touchdown reception against Central Connecticut. Field wants Oyekanmi, he's got it, and goes in for the score! It goes 59 yards, and LIU takes a 13-7 lead with five seconds left in the first quarter. Number three, how about a twofer from Stonehill running back Jermaine Corbett? The NEC Offensive Player of the Week busts a pair of runs up the gut for long TDs in a win over Wagner. Through the right side, Jermaine Corbett so long. From the 26, try Corbett again. And here's Corbett. No one will catch Jermaine Corbett. Touchdown, Stonehill. Coming in at number two, Stonehill's Will Diamantis shows off his concentration, making this incredible juggling catch while falling against Wagner. Down the sideline, Diamantis. Did he make the catch? Yes, he did as a flag comes down. What a catch by Diamantis who had a touchdown catch to his credit a week ago. The junior with his 10th catch of the season. First down Stonehill at the Wagner 32. And our top play of the week comes from NEC co-rookie of the week, LIU's Onyende Johnson, who perfectly anticipates this pass for the game-clinching pick six as LIU wins its second straight. The other way as LIU seals the deal! First career interception, congratulations. It is the play of the game. Mr. Johnson, number 22, read that all the way. There you have it. That is your NEC Football Super 7 countdown from week 10 presented by Geico. Fans, don't forget, if you see a great play, let us know on Twitter at NEC Sports or at NEC Football. For NECfrontrow.com, I'm Kyle Turner. Enjoy week 11 of NEC football, and I'll see you again next week. For this week's Stat Chat, let's take a closer look at the quarterback play in the Northeast Conference. This year, there were eight opening day starters. That's the quarterback that each team rolled out there for their very first game. Joe Mishler for Duquesne. Derek Green for LIU, Justin Slowoski for SFU, Nick Kargman-Wagner, Jack Zergiotis from Merrimack, Marquez McCray from Sacred Heart, Romello Williams from Central Connecticut, and Asher Karaha from Stonehill. The NEC's eight opening day starting quarterbacks this year have a combined 17-34 and 34 record. That's a 33% win percentage. However, check this out. There have been six non-opening day starting quarterbacks to start a game in the Northeast Conference this year. Darius Parentis from Duquesne, Lucas Stanzani from LIU, Cole Doyle from SFU, Ryan Kraft from Wagner, Gavin McCusker from Merrimack, and Sean Mitchell from Central Connecticut State. And those six non-opening day starters, they have a combined record of 12-7. and seven. That's a 63% win percentage, and that includes Stanzani, who's 2-0, Cole Doyle, who's 3-0, and Gavin McCusker, who's 6-0. So shout out to the NEC understudies who this year have stepped up, stepped in, and are getting it done. 
non-opening day starters winning nearly two-thirds of their starts, and in some cases, helping their team in a race towards the Northeast Conference Championship. An eye-opening stat as part of this week's Stat Chat. It's the penultimate week of the NEC regular season. Week 11 is on the docket. Let's check out what's coming up on tap. High noon Saturday in Staten Island, the Sacred Art Pioneers look to put a three-game skid to bed as they take on the Wagner Seahawks. The perennial championship contender and two-time reigning and defending champion Pioneers have not lost four in a row since the 2017 season. They don't want to start that now. They've won three straight against Wagner, including a 27-0 shutout last year in Fairfield. With two games left in the season, also we want to keep an eye on Sacred Heart running back Malik Grant, who enters Week 11 just 58 yards shy of Nas Smith for the NEC's rushing lead. Speaking about the Blue Devils, they will be hosting the Merrimack Warriors at noon on Saturday in their home finale at Aroot Field. The Warriors are coming off their well-timed bye week, and they're tied for first place at 5-0 in league play, and they've won their last six in a row, all since freshman quarterback Gavin McCusker took over at the controls. But don't forget the ground game has been a big part of it too. Victor Dawson leads the league with 10 touchdown runs. Tylon Edmonds Jr. has three scores over the last three weeks, and the team is averaging 166 yards per game on the ground. Keep in mind, though, Central Connecticut has won all three previous meetings between these two schools, including 49-21 to 21 just last year, and Central has scored 40 points at least in all three meetings. The Blue Devils would love nothing more than to play spoiler to the Warriors who are in hot pursuit of their first NEC championship. For the St. Francis Red Flash, they will host the Duquesne Dukes on their senior day in their home regular season finale at DeGaulle Field. It's going to be a red out. The first 500 fans will get a red rally towel. It's going to be an awesome environment for the NEC's AQ. The key to this game could very well be the turnover battle. St. Francis is one of the best. They have a plus six turnover ratio where Duquesne, when they've been defeated this year, turnovers have been a big part of it. They've turned the ball over 17 times. St. Francis is the number one offense in the league, averaging over 430 yards per game. But the Dukes will likely counter with ball control. Their best defense could be their offense, which leads the league in time of possessions. The more they possess the ball, the less time St. Francis will possess the ball and have a chance to strike with their big plays. St. Francis won last year's meeting in Pittsburgh with a fourth quarter comeback by the final score of 17 to 10. Our final game this weekend will be a 1 p.m. kick in Brookville, New York, as the LIU Sharks host the Stonehill Skyhawks. LIU has been producing those Sharknados over the last two games. They've averaged 439 yards of offense, 39 and a half points, and have recorded 12 big plays of 20 yards or more. And that's just in the last nine quarters. On the other side, Stonehill will look to counter with our top star this week, Jermaine Corbett, who's averaging nearly 130 yards against conference opponents. A win for Stonehill would clinch a winning overall season in their very first year at the FCS level. And that'll just about do it for this week's episode. Plenty to look forward to coming up here in week 11. Of course, the NEC championship race is in high gear. If St. Francis and Merrimack both win or they both lose, that would set up a winner-take-all showdown on ESPN3 
next week. Of course, if one wins and the other loses, the winning team would clinch at least a share of the conference title this weekend, but the losing team would have a chance to earn a share as well if they win that head-to-head meeting coming up on the 19th. So lots going down, only two weeks left. It's NEC championship season here in the fall. It doesn't get any better than this. So enjoy the games, everyone, and we will see you back here next week to wrap it all up and look ahead to the final week of the regular season. Until then, I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Football on the Run.